One day, a few months back, I got a text message from my oldest brother, Jamie, and it said, I've seen a lot of crazy things in life, but this is nuts. And if you've ever gotten a text message like that, you know that, that immediately you're going to click on whatever is next, the photo, the link. And this was a link, and it was a link to actually a real estate listing of my grandmother's old house. And now my grandmother passed away many years ago. And if you joined us a few months back, I, I talked about how she was kind of a borderline hoarder. And so at her house when we were growing up, I mean, there was like a one-foot path going into the garage, and it was canned goods everywhere else. And then every room was full of stuff, toiletry items, food, stuff that was bald and never opened. I mean, it was like a treasure chest as a child, but it was definitely somewhere I would never want to live in. And so when my brother sent me the link, I clicked on it, and the house that we saw in the link was nothing like the house that we grew up hanging out in. I mean, this house was spacious, it was airy, it was full of bright light, just like people want these days. There was huge, wide open spaces. I mean, it was beautiful. It was the kind of house that I would want to live in. And, and we thought, you know what, this is almost unbelievable because the level of transformation was crazy before and after. And, and I actually got a similar text a few years back. Uh, one of my fraternity brothers from college sent me a text and he said, hey, you're not going to believe this. And it was a screenshot from Facebook. And it was a screenshot of one of our friends saying, hey guys, I'm leading a men's Bible study if you'd like to join me. And uh, that might not sound that unbelievable to you, but for us, it was kind of crazy because we knew this guy in college. I mean, this was the guy, he, you know, if he wasn't in class, he always had a drink in his hand. And he was always angry, destroying things, just slashing stuff down the walls, acting wild. And he never expressed any interest in things that were religious in nature. And so when he said, hey guys, I'm leading a Bible study. I mean, we wondered if it was actually real or if any transformation had taken place or if somebody had hacked his account. We didn't know what was going on. And the reason why, I mean, both of these text messages were kind of shocking and unbelievable and why they were so exciting and people wanted to share them with other people is because they were stories of change and true change in our world today is actually pretty rare. And then you probably know this uh, because if, you know, you've ever had somebody, maybe it's an ex-boyfriend, ex-girlfriend, ex-spouse or or maybe it's, it's somebody you're, you're currently in a relationship with or, or just a friend. I mean, you've probably experienced them saying, you know, hey, I'm going to change. I promise to live differently. I promise things are going to be different in the future. And then guess what? Nothing changed, right? Or they promised that they were going to change. And then over time, things were good for maybe a month, maybe two months, maybe a season. And then shortly after, everything went back to be the same. I mean, you probably know this in your own life, right? We all want to make changes, and yet so often we continually fail. True change is pretty rare in our world, and so a lot of times we can kind of give up and think things are a little bit hopeless. But this morning, I want to give you a word of hope as we continue in the series that we've been in called Unfailing, where we're looking at the promises of God, because one of the promises that God gives to us is the promise that He will give us the power to change. God promises to give us the power to change. And for most of us, this is good news. It's good news, at least for me, because we all have areas of our lives that we would like to be different. I mean, during the season 
Uh, early on in the pandemic, Emily and I knew that we were going to be together a lot in our home with a newborn. And, you know, we haven't been married that long. And so we said, look, we want to invest in our marriage. And so online, there's a great resource called the Marriage Course. Uh, some of you took part in the Alpha Course last fall at the church. The Marriage Course is created for married couples. It's free. It's running online right now. And each week, it's a date night with video resources and conversations to learn and grow in your marriage. And one of the things that I came to realize through the course and through the conversations is that I am not a great listener. And so in this season, not just in marriage, but also wider, I'm trying to work on becoming a better listener because James, in his book in the Bible, says, be quick to listen and slow to speak. But I've realized a lot of times I'm quick to speak and slow to listen. So that's one of the things I want to change. And maybe during this time when you're locked in your house with your family or maybe you're forced to go out to work and deal with the public, maybe you're like a mask enforcer and your job is just terrible every day. Um, I mean, you've probably realized that there are things in your life you want to change as you've gone into old habits or you're dealing with stress in negative ways or you found yourself with a short fuse during this time. We all have things we want to change. And I think that's become more clear during this season And during this season, I think it's also become clear that we need our world to change as well. And so one of the things I think, I don't know if it's because we're being more self-reflective or just more time alone, but I think one of the things we've been realizing during these last few months is that sin has affected all of us. Very clearly we've seen that. And sin has also infected all of us. That there's nowhere we can run to escape And hide from it. And so we need change. And the good news is that God promises us that we aren't powerless. That through his power working in us, we can change. Here, speaking through the prophet Ezekiel in the Old Testament, here's what we find. The prophet writes this, God speaking through him. I will sprinkle clean water on you and you will be clean. I will cleanse you from all your impurities and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. And then here's how Paul puts it in 2 Corinthians 5.17. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. I want to read that again. This is one of the early verses I memorized when I was a kid. I encourage you to memorize it this week as well. If anyone is in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has gone and the new is here. And here Paul is telling us what happens when we trust, when we put our faith in Jesus Christ and in his life and his death and his resurrection. He says we are made new. We're not just like tweaked a little bit. We're not just cleaned up a little bit. We're made new. We have a new purpose. We have new desires. We have a new direction in life, a new mission. We're given new life here and now and the promise of new life in eternity. And so if you've ever made that decision to trust in Jesus Christ for salvation, you know this promise to be true, that God makes us New. And if you've never made that decision, that's where all true transformation begins, is with trusting in Christ and letting him transform your life so that your old way of life has been crucified with him and you're raised to new life with him. 
But if you have trusted in Jesus Christ, and I know many of you watching have, because you, you're spending your Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. in front of a computer watching a sermon, right? I, I know some of you, you have trusted in Jesus Christ. And one of the things you've discovered is that, well, that's when the initial transformation takes place, when we trust in Him. Transformation is an ongoing process that God continues to work in us throughout our entire lives. Which is why Paul writes this in Philippians chapter 2. He says, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. It is God who works in you. And as God works in you to change you, what you'll discover is that that you don't have to live the way that you've always lived. You don't have to think the way you've always thought. You don't have to speak the way you've always spoken. You can be made new. You can change from the inside out. You can bear fruit. And and this is something not only will you notice it, but the people around you and your relationships will notice it as well. And so you might be wondering, okay, well, how does, how does this change take place? Because a lot of us have tried and we've, we've failed over time. Because what a lot of us do is we think, you know what, if I just had more willpower, then, you know what, things will be different. Or if I just make a decision that things are going to change, then things will change. But we, we know we've tried and we've failed. And so in order for true change to take place, first and foremost, we have to invite God deeper into our lives. We have to invite God into this process because we can't do it on our own. The promise isn't that we have the power to change ourselves. It's that God can change us. And as we invite God deeper into our lives and we begin to think like Jesus thought, live like Jesus lived and surround ourselves with people like him, then transformation will take place. And James Bryan Smith, he has a book called The Good and Beautiful God. And he has a diagram we're going to put on the screen for you of, of kind of what this change might look like. And, and so if you see at the top is, is changing our thoughts, our thinking. And he says we have to replace the old narratives that we've told ourselves and replace them with, with the true narratives and the story of Jesus and focus on things that are good and beautiful and true. So we have to change our thinking. And then we have to change our, our actions. We need to live like Jesus lived. I mean, this includes prayer, right? Spending time with God, growing in that relationship. It means spending time studying scripture. It means serving other people and putting them ahead of ourselves like Jesus did, laying down our very lives for others. And then you'll see there's the aspect of community. And that is that that we can't do this on our own. We need other people on this journey with us who are seeking similar change. We need the community of Jesus followers if we're ultimately going to become more and more like him. And now if we just do these things in the triangle on the outside, what what you'll find is actually they don't work on their own. I mean, you can try to change your thinking and you're probably going to be left in the same place. You can change the people you surround yourself with, but you might stay the same because what is really central is the Holy Spirit in the middle because it is God who empowers this process of change and grows fruit inside of us. And so this morning, I'm excited. Last week, we had my wife Emily share kind of a story that connected with the promise we looked at last week. And this week, uh, we have someone who's going to share with us as well. And that is Jen Marquis. And so Jen and I are going to get set up here. And Jen is going to share 
her story of change. And some of you may have heard part of her story last year when she shared her testimony, but actually a lot of things have changed in the last year since then. And so, Jen, I want to invite you to come on out. We're going to sit, you know, socially distanced apart from one another. And uh, I want to thank you for being here and, and sharing with us today. And your life story is, is one that connects with this promise of God transforming you, making you new. Um, so let's, let's, start, let's start back a few years ago. So a few years ago, what was your life like? Where were you? What was going on? Um, my life was, um, I was deep in addiction. I hated myself and everybody in the world. I was full of bitterness and anger. Um, and I remember three years ago being right here when my mom passed away doing um, her memorial service. I was high. Like, I was so bad at that point. And I wanted nothing to do with God. I wanted nothing to do with anybody. Wow. So that was three years ago. I, I led the funeral. We were, we were all here in a very similar situation. Yes. So that was then. Now something has changed. And we'll get to the change in a minute. But what led you to want to make a change? I mean, because I, I think a lot of us, we get used to life. We get used to a way of living. We get comfortable or complacent. So what was the catalyst for you saying enough is enough? I want things to be different. Um, you know, it wasn't just about the addiction because I could not live. And I remember in the middle of, you know, getting um, high, I, I just cried out to God. And I was like, either take me out of this world or change me because I cannot do it myself anymore. Wow. I can't. Wow. And then after that, what happened? Um, <laughs> You're here, so I mean, obviously... Actually, the <laughs> two days after I cried out to God, I got arrested and went to jail. Mm. So I know that that was him answering that prayer. Like, mm. that was him an answering that cry. Wow, so you go to, go to jail. Um, you feel like that's an answer to prayer, which is interesting because a lot of people, when I've done prison ministry, have that exact same story. They say, this is what God used to get my attention. So you're in jail... You've asked God to change you. So, so how did the Holy Spirit, how did God begin to change you? What, what was that process like? Um, the process, I was in jail for uh, five months. And the first month, I was like, okay, this is not what I wanted. You know, I just wanted out of what I was in. Mm -hmm. But after that, um, I remember I started praying. I started praying every single day. And I got a Bible, and I got in the Word, and I just was talking to Him every single day. And he finally said, <clears throat> I need you to share me with others. And I remember that. I was, in my, I was on my top bunk, and I was like, what are you talking about? Share me with others. And so I started a prayer circle in there that went on the entire time I was there. Every single night at 9 o'clock or thereabout, um, I led a prayer circle. And that was what he was telling me to do, share me with others inside there. Like, that was the beginning of it. Wow. So, I mean, if we think about the diagram, so you began to change your thinking because you're, you're immersing yourself in Scripture and, you know, you were hating yourself and you're reading, okay, God loves me. He sent Jesus for me. Then you are living differently. So you're, you're not using in jail. You're beginning to share your faith with other people, which 
is probably a funny thing to do since you, you know, just kind of had this renewed faith. You're serving other people. Um, what did the change in community look like? Because I know that's often something that's very difficult with addiction. I mean, were you kind of doing this on your own? I guess you started the circle um, with other people. What kind of support did you have? Um, when I got out, um, I'm actually in drug court, which I asked for because <clears throat> I needed the, that structure. I didn't, I didn't have that in my life for 30 years. And so I needed to learn what structure was like. And I go to meetings. I started going to meetings almost every day. Um, but I have changed like everybody that I hung out with. I don't know those people anymore. Mm. I completely cut them off um, on Facebook. However I did it, it mm. just, I cut them all off. But I, I realized that the closer I get to God, he just keeps those people away from me. I don't have to worry about trying to hide from them or anything else. He removes them and keeps them from my life. Mm. And so now you're, you're kind of surrounded by people who are on this journey with you. Um, but knowing your story, it's not just that like, okay, I'm disconnected from anybody who struggles now. Because one of the things, you're actually being a witness. You're sharing your faith now through other people um, in, the midst of, um, in the midst of a recovery community. So tell us a little bit about that, how, how you're still being a witness even as you change your community. Yes, uh, I do a lot of service work in the meetings, but um, I have almost 14 months clean now. Mm. I mean, that's everything. And um, so I have four sponsees. I have four women that have come to me and asked me to help them. Mm. So they have seen something in me that they want or that, you know, is attractive to them. Hmm. And that's what it's about, you know, being of service and being willing to do it. Because I can do all this all day long, but the meetings and the Bible go hand in hand, you know. Hmm. The, the Bible tells us to spread the good news. Hmm. And the meetings I go to, they say that we can't keep what we have unless we give it away. Hmm. So that's the same thing to me. Yeah. And so how, you know, kind of since you've been released in this process, how, how have you seen God at work in your life or the Holy Spirit kind of empowering this change? Um, I have seen him at work a lot with my family. Like, my family wanted nothing to do with me when I was in jail. They left me there, and they had to show some tough love, something they've mm -hmm. never done before. Mm -hmm. So my family relationships are way better than probably ever. Mm -hmm. um, I bought and paid for a car cash. Um, you know, I have a job. I'm actually in school for criminal justice right now. Hmm. And my hope is to go to law school when I get done. Wow. And I have straight A's right now, by the way. Wow. So, I mean, that, that's kind of a picture of the things that God has made new in your life. And, I mean, throughout this, obviously, I know it's not easy. Um, you know, it's not just relying on yourself and your willpower. So what does it look like for you to rely on God and the Holy Spirit every day for this, this process of change? Well, you know, it's an inside job. You know, it, it's an inside job. And um, I thought I could do it on my own willpower for so many years. And I kept falling, kept falling. I'm like, what is going on? The, what it is, is that true surrender. Like, I had to really hit my knees and, and, and tell him. And just, I cannot do it myself. I have been trying for years. My ways didn't work. You know, and his ways are not our ways. And, you know, he wants to give us the desires of our heart. But the closer I get to him, those desires change. Wow. They change a lot, you know, and what it looks like is 
me not being selfish, me not being all about myself, mm. but being open to helping other people. Wow. Wow. And so I'm sure there's some people watching who say, you know what? I want to change. Maybe, maybe it's addiction. Maybe it's even something a lot smaller. Um, what would you say to that person who kind of wants to take the next step? Because change can be scary. I mean, I know you know this. I mean, true transformation and being different, it, it's a risk. And so what, what would you say to people watching kind of as, as a word of wisdom there? Um, I would really say that it's not a risk, actually. Um, I thought it was. I was bound by fear for so long that I did not want to um, deal with the trauma of life to even find a new way. But I know from my life and my experience that crying out and asking him and giving up that control, because that's what it is. You know, I was trying to control my own life, but I wasn't doing a good job of it. And, you know, once I surrendered and I put my hands up and I was like, I, I really can't do it. Mm. You know, the anger, the bitterness came first. It, mm. it, it went away first. Mm. And then I noticed, you know, the fear started leaving. Mm. Um, I still have fears. You know, fear of change is, is big. Mm. It's big. But we don't have to do it. All we have to do is say, God, I can't do it. Mm. And he will. Wow. Yeah. It's Lord. not even us. It's just putting your hands up and say, I'm done. I can't do it. Mm. He does the rest. Wow. Because we can't change ourselves. Mm. That free will we have, we cannot change ourselves. Mm. He has to do it. Yeah. He has to do it. Yeah. I mean, as we sang, you know, Lord, I need you. Oh, yeah. I need you. Every, every hour, I need you. Um, well, I want to thank you for sharing your story. I mean, that is powerful. And I know uh, even a year ago when you shared, you know, it's like, hey, God's not done yet. Now, God's not done yet, and so for all of us, God still has work he wants to do in us and through us, and so this morning, I want to pray uh, that God might do that in your life, um, in Jen's life, and in all of our lives as we continue. So if you would, bow with me for a word of prayer, and as Jen said, I think, you know, the first thing is, is, is just surrender. And so, God, we, we come before you this morning in, in surrender, saying that we can't do this on our own. We, we can't live just daily on our own, much less change on our own. And so, God, we confess that, that we are powerless. We need your power and your presence at work in our lives. And God, right now, I know we all have things as this message has been going on that have come into our minds of, of things we'd like changed in our lives. And God, I pray that you'd help give us a spirit of repentance, a, a spirit of turning from those old things and turning towards Christ and moving towards him. And so God, um, as people uh, bring different things in their minds that they wanna change, we pray that, that you would help, help us turn from our old way of living. God, help us turn towards you. And would you empower our lives and transform us from the inside out so that we might bear fruit, fruit that is good and beautiful and healthy, fruit that nourishes our world that is in desperate need. And so God, 
this morning is just the beginning. But we pray that you would meet us here and that you would help take us on a journey in these days and in these weeks ahead. And we ask all these things in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Jen, for sharing with us. And we invite you to sing our closing song with us.